Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hope your uh, day has been going well. If not, we still got plenty of time. As always, uh, I'm going to be putting together a little bit of a graphic. I want to put this on my social media. And uh, it's going to be the mental health pyramid. You know how we see the uh, uh, the misunderstanding of Maslow's Kharkiv needs because it's, it was never put in that pyramid and it was a little bit of a difference and it was also an appropriated perspective. But again, that's for another show. But again, we think of the food pyramid. We think of Maslow's Kharkiv needs or the way we've been you know, taught to see it. And uh, I'm going to kind of translate that into what we need for our mental health. And the baseline is always going to be self-care stuff, pleasure, joy, rest. So uh, build that in for the rest of your day. That's something that we should make space for every single day. Our lives should not just be work and labor, whether that's family, career, going to the gym, all of those things. You know, again, it's labor versus rest and pleasure, joy, and rest are the things that are restorative where anything that is the, um, requires use of energy or focus is going to be more depleting. So I just want us to be very thoughtful about that. We're, we're working on more restorative things, and that should be the uh, foundation for our day, the foundation for our week, the foundation for our month. So um, that's the basic, um, and everything's built on top of that. And the success or the mental health in everything that's built on top of that depends on the uh, you know strength of that foundation, the self-care foundation. Uh, most people are living in burnout. That's the problem. It's not about avoiding burnout. It's how do I get out of burnout? And the problem is when you build in a restful weekend or a week's vacation, you go from burnout to a week off and then back to burnout. That's not sustainable. We want to really build a foundation of self-care so as to avoid burnout. If you go on vacation for a week, great. You have a, your nervous system has one week. Your nervous system and your psyche have one week off of burnout. That, that doesn't help when you return to it. Kind of like when I said on the show, people will do a quote unquote detox. Uh, they'll eat really, really, you know, problematic foods, foods that aren't full of, you know, nutrition and vitamins and minerals. And then they'll do a detox for a few days. Great. And then they go right back to it. So it's like, you're actually living in a, uh, you know, toxified state as they would say. So, um, anyway, still time for you guys to prioritize that. We're going to spend some of the time, uh, some time on the show talking about how to feel more connected. So is this, uh, you know, tips and tricks for people that are feeling lonely? Sure. This is also though about individuals that aren't feeling connected to those around them. I talk a lot on the show about loneliness and technology and how technology can be harnessed to be more present and more connected or the opposite. And, um, we live in the world where now we have more and more and more and more and more intimacy buffers. Those are the things that block us or prevent us from being really present with ourselves or other people. The easiest examples are always going to be technology because they're 
pretty overt and that's going to be, you know, like I say all the time in the show, you're talking to someone and they're on their laptop. You're spending time together and they're swiping on their phone. That phone and that laptop become a block of deep intimacy. Intimacy, as I say on the show, most every show is really rooted in shared experience and the ability for eye contact, touch and time together. But it's about occupying that space. Now, our entire lives around other people don't have to be intimacy-centered, but there should be a bulk of our time that is. Otherwise, we're just bodies in proximity, bodies bumping into each other, ships passing in the night. And thank God for some, they're like, oh, well, we live together, we share a bed, or we're in class together, or whatever it is. And for them, that's the, that's the main part of their intimacy, but that isn't intimate. That's just proximity. And so it's all about what you're doing when you're in you know, approximation to each other. And if again, you have the phone or the laptop open or the television, that is blocking it. Get the dog out of the bed. Dogs do not need to be sleeping in the bed with you. They will be fine. It might be unfamiliar and they might whine for a little bit, but dogs do not need to be in the bed with two adults. That is an intimacy blocker. You should not be spending time together while on your phones or on, you know, on a computer. That's an intimacy blocker. So you have to think about what are the things that don't allow us to make eye contact? What are the things that don't allow us to have the same experience? What are the things that, you know, take your attention away? What are the things that physically become a wall between us? remove those things people and relationship first the dog is not a priority in terms of the relationship the dog will be fine sleeping in a different room or not on the bed you know we will be fine putting our phone down or closing our laptops to greet someone entering the room or coming home from work you know and that's why we spend an entire show talking about ways to really build in date nights but also micro dates things that are just 15 to 20 minutes every single day stealing time it hurts my heart that we have to steal time for that our life should be centered in community and relationality but capitalism you know we we have to earn a living we don't have a right to a living we have to we have to earn it if we want to get basic needs met we have to earn it we don't have that right it's it's quite gross and toxic but that's an american value and you find that in a lot of countries as well but God bless it. So um, tonight's show is about how to really have deeper connection because we have increasing rates of loneliness and um, it's something we can prevent, we can push back on. So we'll be talking about that. And of course, of always, as always, I should say, we'll be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Why? Because we'd like hearing from you. So as you're asking questions, you're actually helping others. Always anonymous, always confidential. Whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. So drop those questions in there. And uh, if you have a topic you want us to cover, put that in there as well. And um, something maybe you want us to circle back, drop deeper, deeper into, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll, scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, binge, post, re-listen, and share. Stick around, more to come. Talking about loneliness and disconnection. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, y'all, we are back, and we're talking about the rising rates of loneliness and disconnection, the rising rates of mental health issues. Again, just a reminder, when you're checking in on people you care about, instead of just saying to them, how are you, which it's very common, we don't really know that you actually care, so we're saying things like, how's your mental health? It's a reorientation, a reframe. Let's people know I care. Let's people know it's something they should think about. And also let's people know that we're a resource, you know, that we're someone who can have those kinds of conversations. Not everyone has access to that, which is right. What a great segue that is into our main topic. Um, remember one of the most toxic, toxic experiences we can have is isolation. We need others for reality testing and to really stay grounded and uh, we are better off because of those we have around us. We are relational beings. Our brains are relational, separated only by skin in true, healthy, connected relationships. Our nervous systems and our brains wire. We've talked about that. People do make us feel things. People can slow down our heart rate or speed it up. People can help pump out certain neurochemicals and hormones or slow them down. Um, we are better off because of those around us. No one can exist on their own. Not literally, unless you're out there farming all your food and sewing all your own clothes, but also not emotionally or psychologically. We need people. We need borrowed functioning. We need to be dependent on individuals. What we need as a child, we need as an adult. We need primary caregivers that we can turn to. Primary caregivers that can send us off into the world with encouragement, care, and support. Increase our confidence. You know, our self-worth is a reflection back to us based on all those around us. So we need people. Again, it keeps us in reality. We will go literally go psychotic if we don't have others around us. You can even see it in the movies. It was really profoundly done in that, um, I forget the movie, but the movie with the uh, volleyball with Tom Hanks. What's that called? Castaway? Away? I don't know. But you basically see him not able to stay connected to reality. And you see his natural drive to try to find something to connect to. And he turns that ball, he tries to really turn it into human form. And puts a little face on it and talks to it. Wilson is its name, I believe. And that's that human drive to connect. You see it even out in the world, sitting on a bus stop on an airplane. People turn. They want to engage. They do it in line at supermarkets. That's what we're built to do. Um, but we've set up all these arbitrary distinctions. And we have this center point of toxic individualism where we think people should do things on their own. But literally, that doesn't happen in any way, shape, or form. Not socially, not emotionally, and not literally. Everything we do is built on the shoulders of someone behind us. Um, and I want us to normalize that. I don't want people to learn how to be single unless singledom is something you want. I hate when people say that. If you want relationship and you're newly single, work on being good in relationships. Practice it. We need more relational practice. We don't need more work on how to be self-centered, narcissistic, and isolated. We got that down. We don't need to work on how to be happy single. Again, especially if that's not what you're looking for. We need to work on our relational skills. So prioritize that. Um, and we also know, love this, that uh, performing acts of kindness and socialization are shown to enhance our happiness, 
and uh, boost our mental health, makes us more resilient. Um, so let's kind of get into it because I, I was looking at an article and I thought, I was looking at a few and they came up with some really interesting perspectives. But the first one I wanted to just highlight is what I talked about, excuse me, in the earlier segment, and that's around intimacy buffers. So think about the time you spend with the people you care about. It could be your husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, be your mom and dad. It could be a colleague. It could be your children, roommates, friends, whatever it is. Think about what is it that might get in the way of you both seeing each other, touching each other, having a shared experience. How can we remove that? Um, I don't want to, you know, rag on dogs anymore because I spent the earlier segment saying that dogs should not be sleeping in bed with individuals because that blocks their ability to touch and cuddle and have sexuality. And for some people, that's the only time that that can emerge. Um, get that intimacy blocker out of your bed. But we can also, let's use another example. Um, if you're going out for you know a nice afternoon and you bring the dog, I know whenever I've been on a date with someone who brings their dog, the dog is very distracting. The dog requires a lot of energy and attention at times. That's an intimacy blocker. Conversations constantly being stopped to acknowledge the dog, take something out of the dog's mouth. So I'm not saying don't ever go out with your dog, but I'm saying you cannot consider that part of intimacy building unless your dog is gonna be socialized and quiet and sit there, which by the way, if your dog isn't, you shouldn't be bringing it to coffee shops and cafes anyway. He's a nuisance to people. Keep him at home. But if you're gonna bring him, make sure he's quiet. Otherwise that doesn't count as intimate time together because you're constantly bouncing back and forth, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that can also be applied to children. I don't consider it a date night if you bring the kids because the kids require a lot of attention and, and time spent on, you know, sitting them down, making sure they're eating, addressing them, whatever it is. So I'm not saying don't ever go out with your kids, but I'm saying that doesn't count as the most intimate time because they're an intimacy blocker appropriately. So at some points, but cannot always be. Uh, I said technology is another very powerful one. So really, really, really take time to think about that. What might be getting in the way? Also, if every time you're spending time with your roommate, your friend, your partner, if you're drinking or using drugs of any kind, that also is an intimacy blocker. Sure, early on, it might drop some inhibitions and a little bit more vulnerability might come forward. But there's a point where it then switches into intoxication or you're high or whatever it is. And you're no longer being intimate and you're no longer being honest. You're now operating from a different part of your brain. And that isn't as meaningful and is not as impactful. And you don't necessarily take anything away with that. So that could be an intimacy blocker. So it's really about figuring all of those out. What are the things that get in the way? So thinking even more broad and creatively, it might also be where you're going or the time of day that you're spending time together. If you want your time with your friend, your roommate, your husband to always be at the end of the day when you're tired, your exhaustion might be an intimacy blocker. You're not awake, you're not focused, you're not excited to be there. So again, you wanna carve out time where you have energy and you can focus and you can be fully present. We shouldn't be squeezing in our relational time. It should be a priority. I know we don't live in that kind of world. I'm actively trying to get us there. It won't happen in my lifetime, but I wanna be a part of chiseling it away, not reinforcing it. All right, when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about how to cope with loneliness and disconnection because it's on the rise. It continues to be on the rise. It has not slowed down and it's a mental health issue, truly. Uh, DMs, we'll be sliding into those. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Topics you want covered, questions, drop them in there. Past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for uh, Loveline and click on it. But uh, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back.
All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about how to deal with loneliness and disconnection because it's on the rise. And uh, I was talking a lot in the earlier segment about intimacy buffers. They're all the things that block our ability to stay present, to be connected, to have focus. It can be our dog. It can be our child. It can be our exhaustion. It could be our phones, our laptops. It could be where we're spending time. It could even be the people around us. Maybe we're socializing with people that don't have the ability to really be still and present, and they're always kind of bouncing us around from topic to topic. I don't know. But it's the question you have to kind of ask yourself, what's getting in the way of some of this? Um, Because again, spending time with people isn't going to make you feel connected or less lonely unless it's truly intimate and meaningful. It is not enough to just be around others, although that can sometimes help, but it's not going to feel intimate. It's not going to be as nourishing. But yes... Yes, the next tip is get out of the house. Now again, you might not be talking to everyone, you might not know the people around you, you might be sitting in a park or at a a museum or a concert or a window shopping or shopping, but there is something meaningful in just being out. So that is part of getting away from loneliness and disconnection is just moving our bodies out into the world, which for many is them practicing expanding their window of tolerance. For some, it's very hard to be around others or out of the house, especially as a result of COVID. I noticed some of that in myself. I'm actually pretty introverted. I have a lot of really great close friends, but I don't like to be around a lot of arbitrary random people talking about things that aren't meaningful or important to me. It's exhausting. And I found I find crowds overwhelming and exhausting. So I had to slowly expand my window of tolerance and refamiliarize myself being out around others. Um, it sounds wild to say that, but I was isolating at home alone for a while. Um, until my partner moved over uh, overseas and in, and that's a whole longer story. But um, thank God for my cat, you know, but that wasn't going to be the same by any means. But it was good to have that energy and that life in the room. <laughs> but um, that's, the, that's the first piece. Maybe practice getting out of the house and just being familiar around others. Um, but for some of you, you, you're far beyond that. But for some people, I want them to know, just start where you are. It might be small baby steps. Um, it might be a little too overwhelming for you to just jump out there. But for those that, that, that aren't or don't, jump and get out there. Start committing to socializing more. Um, I said this before when I was talking about loneliness on the show. I think one of the most beautiful things we can do is sometimes think about who do we wish we were close to again or who have we missed and circle back and reconnect. It's really beautiful maybe after decades to reconnect with someone and to stay close. So I'll offer you the tip I offer couples. What we want to do to really be present and to get our social needs met in in the ways that we're really prioritizing tonight is you want to be engaging. And the way we really engage is to ask questions. And that's also a little dating gem, right? Make sure you're asking questions about the other person. Anxiously, we might just be talking and talking. People walk away from anything, any social event, feeling really good and happy and heard if you ask questions about them. Make sure you're not just talking about yourself. So if you're in a relationship with someone, trying to socialize more, you're lonely, when you're out and about with people, ask questions, engage their answers, meaning it's not question, answer, question, and answer. You have to engage it. So you ask, they answer, and then you engage and respond to their answer. And if this is someone you have a longer-term relationship with, you follow up days later. How did that job interview go? It's called tracking and following up. And that's the key to really making sure someone knows that you're, you're present and engaged. That's like that magical third step. You ask questions, you then engage in and, and, and really process and work with their answer. And then finally, you circle back and check in on it. You follow up. I want anyone in a marriage or, or committed relationship to be doing that. 
No, like, let's talk about this for a second. Do you know your partner's friends? Do you know their names? Do you know what they do for a job? Do you know who they work with? Do you know what they enjoy at their job or don't enjoy? Do you know what they value or don't value in their friends? If not, you got some work to do. Do you know your children's friends' names? Do you know your children's friends at all? Do you know if they have any? Do you know what they look like? Again, if not, then you don't really have an intimate or a real relationship at all with your children. You have to know these basic things. You have to be a participant in their life. Hey dads, awesome that you're working all day paying the bills. That is not a relationship. That's, that's, you care. That's great, but that's not a relationship. You need to actually be present, ask questions, engage, follow up. Yeah, we got to do better. That's why we have, and that's what happens is the more intimacy and touch that we have as a child, the more comfort we're going to have with intimacy and touch, the more as an adult, we're going to value and seek intimacy and touch. And we're going to develop a lot of uh, neurons that value that, seek that and want that. We don't want to keep raising individuals and children where they expect and only are familiar with a low level of engagement and intimacy because we're not present. We don't ask questions. We think children should be seen and not heard. That's abusive. That's emotional and psychologically abusive. Actually, it's called neglect. We need to be seen and heard. We need the important parts of us mirrored back to us and engaged. And that applies for adults as well. The Hear me say that one more time. We need mirroring, which means the important, meaningful parts of us are reflected back and engaged. That's how we feel seen and heard and held. That is intimacy. So again, if you don't know your partner or your children's friends' names or who they work with or what they do and all those things, then you don't have intimacy or a close relationship. You want to be present. So ask engage in the answers and track and follow up. All right, coming up, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into, we're here for you, y'all. And uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Let's see what we got here. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I had my first daughter, 17 years old, and we're very close. She just turned 15, and I can tell she's going to be a member of the LGBTQIA community. First off, no, you can't. <laughs> I want to be very thoughtful about that. Uh, I just want to hold space for the idea that just because a boy might not be as masculine as the others does not mean they're gay because how someone presents in terms of gender has nothing to do with their sexual orientation. Just because someone is presenting who's uh, assigned female birth as a little masculine and into sports and trucks doesn't mean lesbian because the activities we're interested in and how we present in terms of gender, more masculine or more feminine is very separate from our sexual orientation. I need to acknowledge that. There can be hetero men that are very effeminate and very soft. Those are not necessarily gay qualities. Those are human qualities that exist in everyone and it can work in the inverse as well. So I just want to call that out. Unless this person has told you, this person, your daughter, that they're gay or queer or non-binary or whatever it is or trans, let's not assume. We should all, however, hold space for the idea that our child might be gay, queer, trans, or whatever it is, and speak to them as though that's possible. I will never support someone looking at the child that they've diagnosed as a male at birth because they had a penis and say, oh, do you have a girlfriend? We should say to everyone, do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? That's how we normalize the possibility of both. That's how we let this child know that we might, that we're supportive of both. 
I say that to everyone I encounter. Do you have a, do you have a partner is what I say. I non-gender it. And if I'm talking to a man, I'll say, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? If I'm talking to a woman, do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? But it's better to just say partner because I don't know. And I don't want people to have to come out. That's how we get rid of the closet. No one has to come out if we stop creating and maintaining a closet. And we do that by assuming everyone's straight until proven otherwise. We should be, we should be assuming nothing until shown. So we should be assuming you could be gay, you could be straight, you could be trans, I don't know. So that's why we're using more fluid languaging. Like, are you dating anyone? Do you have a partner? But assuming someone's heterosexual means they have to then come out to us, which is putting the burden on them to come out of the closet that we just created by assuming they're hetero. If we stop assuming people are hetero, then there's no closet anymore to come out of. So let's stop doing that. Back to your question. I really want to be supportive of her in this journey. Good. Stop making assumptions, but st still hold space. She's very close to her grandmom, but I know my grandmom's not a supporter of the community. Okay. So grandma's a homophobe and toxic. Got it. We argued about it for years. I'm really concerned that my daughter's first coming out interaction is going to be with my mom and that will cause some trauma to avoid that. Do you think I should address it with my daughter first or wait till she comes to me? I think it can be very traumatic for a parent to sit down and put that on a child who might not be gay at all or ready to come out as gay. Because even though your question's coming from a place of care, it's still saying, I want to bring her out of the closet the, the minute I sit down and pose this question. And that's not appropriate. It's not about you. So if it's really about your daughter, you wait for her to come out to you. And then you talk to her about the safety of coming out to other family members and how to deal with family members that are toxic and homophobes, you know, bigot family members. Um, but again, if you are like, okay, well, this Saturday in support of her, I'm going to ask her if she's gay. That is actually you saying this Saturday, I'm going to try to force her out of the closet, whether she's ready or not, whether she's confident in her identity or not, that can be traumatic. Let people be on their own path and they'll tell you when they're ready. What you can do in the meantime is normalize it though, by talking about the fact that gay people exist by saying, we don't know people have a boyfriend or girlfriend until they tell us by putting on shows that have gay characters, just start to round it out in your house and normalize it. And that will let your child know that you're okay with it. Just talk about it generally. You know, when you see it on the news, be like, I think that's really great. I think gay people should be with the partners of their choice. Just normalize it. Cause even if your kid isn't in the community, it's still important for them to know that that's how we should all be thinking. And what I do think you could do in the meantime is talk to your bigoted mother who's a homophobe and do that work anyway. Because even if your child's hetero, your grandmother's running around being toxic, your mom. So fix that. Check that. All right, y'all. We'll, we got more to come. Don't go anywhere. These topics get me heated. Uh, if you got a DM for us, though, question, uh, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page or helping others as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential. Also, put in there topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. We love hearing from you. Put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Stick around, though. We got more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And tonight we're talking about how to deal with disconnection and loneliness. But as always, I'm building in there tons and tons of gems and tips and tricks for partners and parents. And it's, it, it, it's a constellation of things, always weaving in and out. Um, I don't even 
Whew, I was all over the place. Uh, but we're basically talking about what are the things we can do if we feel disconnected and lonely. And it's really about initially um, a couple different things. One of them is, again, expanding our window of tolerance, expanding how much closeness, socialization, and intimacy we can handle. And that's really created in our early environment, our youth with children, I'm sorry, our youth with friends and our family members. And whatever kind of family we're raised in kind of gives us that foundation. Some people, sadly, are raised in families where no one talks about emotions. No one says, I love you. There's no hugs. There's no, hey, how was your day? Sit down and tell me about it. So people don't seek that. They don't value that. They can't tolerate that. And that's why before you go get mad at your husband or wife for these exact things, think about what must have happened. That's the trauma-informed question for everything. Not what's wrong with you or I wish you would. It's what must have happened. It's called empathy. Like love is empathy. Love is not anger. Love is empathy. Love is, again, the question, what must have happened to this person that has made them move through the world the way they did? No one wakes up saying, I want to block intimacy and be afraid of it. No one wakes up saying, I want to be a pain in the butt. No one wakes up saying, I want to be a narcissist. But yet we get mad at these things. Like these are choices. Yes, as an adult, we have to choose to learn and do better. But you first need to have empathy. It's so lacking in our culture. We just get mad. We just get angry. But you have to first say, what must have happened? That's the trauma-informed response. Oh, someone has a problem with drugs? What must have happened that that's their coping? What, much, what trauma must have occurred that drove them to that? Oh, someone's a, a narcissist? What must have happened that they don't have empathy and relationality and don't, va- don't value vulnerability? What must have happened? I'll tell you what. They were raised in a family where, that, where they either were moved towards or away from it. A narcissist was raised in a family where emotions were either absent and they weren't socialized to have empathy or... The opposite, it was very overwhelming and they had to shut down and block it. They were flooded. They had parents that were toxic and abusive in that way. So we move towards, we move away. If you're raised in an abusive family, you either take on those traits traits, and you move towards that and you take that forward and act it out or the opposite. You move so far away from it because it was so wounding and you're not familiar with it and you don't ever want to recreate that. But yeah, as adults, we have to do better. So that's the first thing I want to ask. I want you to ask yourself or ask your partner directly. What happened as to why you can't handle this much intimacy? Because that's the first step, just compassion and empathy for why we are the way we are. Then we have to look at, do we even know what it is to do the opposite? Do we know how to start? to push on our edges and try to tolerate more closeness, more touch, more intimacy. Um, And then we start to slowly build that up. And look, a lot of people just meet us where we're at. A lot of people just accept, accept what you've offered. And what I mean by that is just because you might have some relationships that don't have a lot of depth, that doesn't mean that that other person isn't capable or might not be desiring that. They might be just letting you be where you are and they might think that you can't handle it or you don't want it. So always start with those that are already in your in your life and, and really trust that plasticity and really trust that maybe if I start to bring that to them more, they'll meet me there. I'll normalize it. They'll get familiar with it and they'll know that I'm that person, which is why we say things like ask people they care about how's your mental health? And then maybe they'll tell you, and then you start to build that. You can start building more intimacy in your current relationships. And if you can't, you start building new ones, but start first where you're at. So for those that are feeling uh, lonely and disconnected, again, it's about first just getting out of the house and learning to be around other people. Then it's about trying to go deeper, maybe with some of the relationships that you currently have. Also starting new ones from that position starting really with a lot of depth and intimacy and authenticity. And that's why I get hung up on these 
bad dating advice, which is about manipulating and playing games and, and, and women need a guy that is going to pursue them and, and guys need, and it's like, oh my God, all of this is the opposite of what we're talking about. None of that is honest. None of that is real. None of that is intimate. None of that is authentic. So we have to pull ourselves out from the start. Be yourself from the door. So now we're moving into a little bit of a conversation about dating. Date to be known, not to be liked. Go on dates, go on family events, go on friend hangouts, not trying to be liked, not trying to wear what you think you need to wear to be accepted, not trying to talk about what you think they want you to talk about, but as yourself. We can't build intimacy if we're not showing up as our true self. And then that doesn't allow the other people to be them true selves. We're not trying to perform likability, desirability. We're living in truth. And we can only really feel close and connected to someone if we're bringing them our true self. If we are performing, if we are holding back, if we are faking, we will not feel like we're building intimacy. We will feel lonely because we are being an imposter. Our real self needs to be seen and engaged. And that's why go on dates, social events, family events as your true self and let the right people connect to you. Anything less than that is going to make you feel lonely and disconnected from yourself, from other people, and from the world. All right. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about how to push on this so that we can be a more connected world, more connected relationships, more connected community. It's mental health. It's physical health. It's so inter. It's so um, intimately interconnected. You know, it's systemic. So um, that's good and bad. All right, so we'll be talking about that. We'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And as always, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, click on Loveline. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. And we're talking about loneliness and disconnection and really pushing on our boundaries, growing new neural uh, neuro connections and synapses. And we're seeking higher levels of depth and closeness. And we're learning how to tolerate that. And the plasticity of our brains are accommodating that because brain plasticity is really in full effect in relational experiences and dynamics. And we're going to be harnessing the power of our brains in that way. Um, but, you know, first, we just have to understand what intimacy is. And we've been talking a lot about that in the show, not directly, at times actually directly, sometimes indirectly. Um, and also just saying like the work is always going to be about pushing on your comfort. We're always pushing on our edges. Um, so it's not going to be something that's also necessarily comfortable because a lot of us stay stuck. It's the law of human gravity. What we're going to do, it's easiest and most familiar, and most comfortable. And if you want growth and transformation, it's about doing what's difficult, uh, what's, what's hard and what makes us anxious. We need a healthy level of anxiety for true psychological and nervous system change to occur. And that's what we're trying to do. So we need just the right of uh, right amount of anxiety too much will overwhelm and flood fight or flight too little won't be impactful enough. We need just that right amount. And I've said that on the show before. If I say to a client, here's your homework. And they're like, ah, that sounds cool. I'm like, oh, not good enough. Let's make it a little harder. And if they're like, ooh, okay, yeah. I mean, it makes me a little anxious, but I can do that. I'm like, bam, write them out. So so ask yourself, what's going to make me just anxious enough? Do I need to go out in the world more? Is it about asking deeper questions with those already in my life? Is it about more engagement where I'm asking questions, engaging the answers, and then following up on it and keeping up days later? How'd that interview go? How was that doctor's visit? You know, really keeping up. That's how we really do that. Um, what else were we saying? Uh, kind of covered that. I love this one. Something about loneliness and disconnection. It's okay to talk to strangers, um, as adults. And what I mean by that is within the context of safety, I'm assuming you know that. So I'm talking, you know, in safe environments and safe spaces, 
there's, there's really good practice in that. Cause what you're doing is number one, you're just honoring that there's a human being there. You're also honoring that like, so I always say this about marriages. People pick all oh, that relationship or that marriage was a failure. We got divorced or we broke up. No, that doesn't mean it was a failure. Success of things isn't rooted in the length of time they exist. Please, if nothing else, take that down from tonight's show. The length of time doesn't make something a success or a failure. The length of time around vacation. We know that that's short term and short limited, but we still put all of our everything into it. It's still meaningful. Relationships are that way as well. We have to get off this idea that if it's not forever, it was bad or wrong. Well, same thing with strangers, talking to someone on a flight or at a bus stop or a cafe, and you're not going to get their number, or see them again. That doesn't mean that had no purpose and value. We're learning how to acknowledge other human beings in the world. We're learning how to be more social. Um, we're going to grow and learn from that. Um, we're also just acknowledging humanity, but I, I think there's something wrong when we think there has to be a purpose for everything to have value. Again, I've said on the show, eating a donut is meaningful. It doesn't afford you much more than 30 seconds of joy or two minutes of joy. I mean, I shove that thing down, so it's like two seconds of joy, but that still was meaningful, those moments. It doesn't matter that it wasn't forever. It doesn't matter that it didn't like, give me something or it didn't improve my life beyond that moment. It still is worth in value. So a quick conversation in line at Whole Foods still might have meaning and value. You, it softens you. It brightens you up. Try to find the value in that. You might have just changed the person's life because they needed to just feel seen or heard. They needed another human to make contact. You might be the only person that whole day or that whole week that spoke to them or looked at them. It's really concerning how we we shun a lot of that. And I don't even mean talking to strangers. I've seen people really shun just friendliness where someone doesn't even stop to talk, but they just comment or they smile. And it's fascinating how thrown off people get. Uh, and I understand why some people really misappropriate. I'm sorry. Some people are very inappropriate and misuse some of that. So I get that piece, but like we got, you know, we we were, I, I was at, I was at the uh, supermarket today and we we're all standing in this long line. I noticed everyone's face was down in their phone. No one could handle just being there. No one could handle just taking in the sights and the sounds. No one tried to talk to the people around them. Everyone's face is down in their phone. And I was like, that again is why we're so disconnected. We come home and we put our face back in the phone or on the television. Our, our husband, wives, or friends, or roommates come home and we say hi to them over our shoulder or over our shoulder on our phone. We don't even look at them. We don't even put it down and greet them. We don't put it down and give them a hug and say, how are you? How's your day? People first, man, come on. But instead we're like, no, I got to finish this email. Oh my God, it's an email. Let that email go. Do it tomorrow. Do it tonight. That's what I'm saying. We shouldn't be working to our full capacity. Work to 70%. So you're not burning out. So you have energy left for your family and friends and fun when you get home. Please drop the bar 70% max. We should be prioritizing our energy. So when we get home, we're not giving our partners, friends, family members our, our, our leftovers, our sloppy, sloppy, sloppy leftovers. Whatever energy we have left that we can squeeze out. That's not okay. That's part of why we have crappy relationships. Save some energy for them. Leave work early. Work at 70%. Don't just save it all for the weekends. All these couples I'm working with are so disconnected and I'm exhausted trying to help them maintain these problematic, toxic structures where they're burnt out and then trying to find ways to like squeeze in some care and intimacy or joy or pleasure. That is not how it's supposed to be. Those are the bare, those are the foundation of our mental health hierarchy. Um, another point that kept coming up in the research was eye contact, eye contact, eye contact. You're right. Without eye contact, we are not connecting. We are not feeling close and intimate. Make sure you are allowing for that. 
thank God for FaceTime and photo sharing, things like that, because we can actually see each other. Skype, um, so that's a good use of technology. But again, some people, I think that their whole lives cohabitating is just bodies bumping into each other, a, a quick glances. My God, when someone comes home, you should go hug them and look at them and talk to them. There should be time where the television's off and you're just sitting down looking at each other. That's part of those micro dates I was talking about where it's 15 to 20 minutes only, you know, deep connection. Um, all right, when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about this. Uh, check out past episodes though, lots of good stuff. I tend to get repetitive. You know, you gotta build that stuff in, coming from different angles, but good stuff. So go back and listen. You go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Got to unlearn, got to unlearn and relearn, you know, get that repetition going. Um, but stick around. We'll be back. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere. Oh, Rachel, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion of disconnection and loneliness and talking about all the beautiful and somewhat easy ways to actually reconnect and, and feel seen. We were talking a lot about mirroring where we need to be looked at, eye contact. We need the important parts of us engaged and reflected back and how, you know, we have to learn how to really, really engage, which means asking questions and then doing something with their answers and then later following back up to check in on it. That's how we really let people know, like, we're in this with you. And I'm saying how plastic all this is, that just because a relationship didn't traditionally allow or have a lot of that, you can build up to that. You can start going deeper, sharing more, asking more profound questions, staying closer in connection, following up. Um, all of that's possible. So reach back out to people you haven't heard from in a while. Start, start being more consistent. Consistent, reliable, available, and responsive are always gonna be the four most important words that you need to offer someone and you should look for in others. Otherwise, they're not wanting something primary, friendship or romantic-wise, and, and that's okay, but it's good to know that. But we do need some of those people in our lives that do offer that. Um, kindness. Really, you feel lonely, you feel disconnected, go do something kind for someone. You want more kindness in your love, in your life, go do something kind for someone. It's like my romance tip. People are like, I want more romance. I wish my husband's more romantic. Great, you want more romance. Start being romantic yourself. Normalize it, familiarize it, build it in. You want a big Valentine's Day, create it. Don't sit there like a victim, passively waiting for someone else to do something, especially something you're not willing to do. Create it. Create it and you all celebrate it together. You're also letting them know what it could look like. You're also normalizing it, familiarizing. Yeah, same thing though. You want more people in your life? Start connecting to others. You want a game night? Plan one. I work with some clients. They're like, I wish I was invited to a game night or a party. I'm like, well, then throw one. A shocker. Throw the game night or the party and invite the people. Create the world you want to be a part of. Like I said, you want more romance or sex? Start initiating it. Start buying your partner stuff. I think one of the saddest things about the gendered way we move through the world is that women don't buy men flowers. Women don't realize that Valentine's Day is for men as well. Women don't realize that when you give birth, a man's also becoming a father. Women don't realize that the wedding isn't just yours, it's also the man's. But somehow we've gendered it where romance is for women, Valentine's Day is for women, the, the wedding is for a woman. No, <laughs> no. Create what you want, but also have empathy for the other. Offer kindness to get kindness. Create romance to get romance. Um, a lot of the articles also were talking about, as I said, circling back and checking in on people that have drifted, they haven't talked to in a while. I love that. A lot of it talked about just having deeper conversations, not keeping it business news and weather, right? Sometimes it's about having an activity that allows us. Sometimes it's a little too overwhelming to be sitting in silence staring at each other. That's why a good first date, you go do something. So you're not just sitting there anxiously at coffee, literally staring at each other nonstop. Go for a walk somewhere. 
I, I, I love people doing things like going for a hike. There's something going around in LA. It's like hashtag hikes are not dates. Yeah, they are. They are to me. <laughs> I love going and doing activities with people. Um, making sure your phone's gone. I can't, I can't keep talking about that. We got to get that part down. Phone should not even be in sight when you're with friends, family members on a date or whatever it is. Your phone should not be even in sight when you're at a dinner with someone or at home. Your phone should not even be in sight if you're at a party or a concert. Sure, if you want to pop it out for a picture or video, cool, but then it shouldn't be in sight. Put it away. Make that a norm. Make that commitment. Um, using social media wisely, that could be a way to not feel so lonely and disconnected. But again, it's about following or engaging pages and others on those pages and in the DMs that are really, again, talking about the kinds of things that are important to you. It's all about that depth. Um, I thought there was something really adorable and really obvious, but I hadn't thought about it. People in some of these articles were saying, sometimes just going out and spending time in nature, even though you're not around others, there's something very connective about that, something transcendent, connecting to something higher. Love that. Um, I kind of talked about this a little bit. Pets aren't the most ideal for everyone, but for some people it's very important. And studies have shown that um, pets are good for our social well-being and mental health. It can be many set of catalysts for social interaction. I know a lot of people with dogs that they're forced to take them out for walks and they get to know their neighbors. And like I said, people will stop and ask questions and talk to you and, you know, swoon all over your dog. So sometimes that could be the, uh, the transitional object to get us to connect to others, you know, that commonality. Um, also there's meetups type in meetup in your city and it's a page that has a wealth of different things that are centered in themes and topics and different categories that bring people together hiking for singles kayaking for women you know glass blowing for sober people i mean it's quite profound how specific these things get broken down um but maybe even go outside of that take some kind of group class you'll meet people at adult learning nighttime at a college or in our class on the weekend um things like that join a team I don't know where you were about where you live, but where I live, they have tons of teams for people locally playing kickball and dodgeball. It's a really easy way to be around others and to meet people, you know, church, a spiritual group, a lecture series. So just really think broad. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs y'all. So, you know, the drill, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our love line, IG page, questions, topics, things you want answered, circled back to drop deeper into, um, you know, love getting your needs met. So let us know what you need and We'll do it for you and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Stick around though. More and more and more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I had a really good conversation with this person I am dating, and I want to get your opinion on it. Can you give and receive the different love languages? Like, I am more inclined to naturally give certain love languages until I figure out my partner and what they need, and my partner can do the same. Yes, these aren't, remember, it's, <laughs> these aren't real things. These are just guides and frameworks to better understand ourselves and other people. There are a thousand billion love languages. We can come in and out of them. It's like attachment theory. You're with one person and you're anxious. You're with another person, you're avoidant. Um, but it falls more in my mind, like this whole idea in the gay community of I'm a top or I'm a bottom. You're neither, you're both. These, are, these aren't preferences even. At best, they're preferences. But people treat them as though they are solid, real things. As though, you know, I'm 5'10". And it's like, yes, you can't change that. So that is a solid, unchangeable, objective fact. But we talk about preferences like I prefer Indian food. Okay, cool. Which means when I can have access to that kind of delicious cuisine, I engage in it. But that doesn't mean when hungry, I'm not able to participate in maybe eating pizza with you. Well, sex is the same way. We all literally have the physical capacity, and I know this is ableist in its statement, so I agree that there are people due to disabilities and genetic factors and other reasons that this doesn't hold true. So I'm generalizing and stereotyping, but go with it for the sake of my argument. Um, we all, in theory, have the ability to give and receive. It's just that doo-doo anxiety, we'd prefer to just give or receive. But in a healthy relationship, we allow ourselves to push on our edges and we don't make rigid demands like that. That would be like me saying, I refuse to fill in the blank with anything else. I would hope that if you don't like horror movies, but your partner does, that you would step up and sit through some of them with them. I would hope if your partner likes sports and they said it would mean a lot to them if every now and then you'd watch or go to a game that you would suck it up and go because it's not painful, it is not violent, and it's not going to harm you. Sex is the same way. So if you're like, I'm a bottom only, grow up. If your partner's like, I would sometimes also like to bottom, do that because you physically can. You just might not like to or you're made anxious by it. We'll be okay stepping into our anxiety. So I apply this very much to this topic. You might prefer to have love expressed 
to you with gifts. But that doesn't mean that's the only way we can receive love. We need to be adults, which means we can see love when it's coming at us in many forms. So the love languages are a little misunderstood. What we really want to do is understand how we best want to be loved to tell our partner, but we also want to understand how they best express love so we can receive it from them too. And ideally, we engage in all the love languages. There's no such thing as I only want gifts. Well, then you're a materialist because sometimes your partner, it might mean a lot to them to vocalize how they feel about you. And I want you to hear that and receive that. So yes, they are flexible, they are changeable, we can be all of them, we can be nothing, we can be other things, it's co-created, but we need to like let go and loosen up. Mental health diagnoses aren't solid and real, they can come out of nowhere, we can outgrow them, they can be amplified or, or decreased based on certain situations, same thing with our sexual orientation, same thing with our love languages, but people really grip onto these things as though they're real tangible things. They are theoretical, abstract, social created concepts. They are metaphors, they are perspectives, but they are not real, they are not solid. So don't take them too seriously. People take them way too literally and way too seriously. And we need to let go of all of these like labels and definers because they trap us and they help us stay in our comfort zone. And they help us, they help maintain anxiety when requested or needing to step outside of it. But mental health and physical health are about adaptability and flexibility. So work on that, work on being more adaptive, work on being more flexible, work on stepping into the things that make you anxious sexually, relationally, okay? All right, that's our DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back and drop deeper into. Love hearing from you, you're helping other people as you're helping yourself out. So put those questions in there. Uh, past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of great stuff. And uh, check out some of the other shows while you're there. But that's our show, y'all. So we'll be back tomorrow. Join us then. Spend the rest of your night being kind to yourself, kind to those around you. We're only working at about 70%. We're not trying to burn out, so drop that bar. And uh, spend the rest of the night focused on tons of self-care, tons of rest, and some joy and pleasure. But as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. You enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, I'll see y'all soon. Have a beautiful night. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.